0: Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. For listeners who have been tuning in regularly, you've probably noticed got this little spiel off the top where I'm asking people to go over to YouTube. I have a channel over there, life As a dot dot. And basically it's just highlights from the main audio versions, from the podcast versions of these talks that I have with these great guests. And the reason I'm plugging it so hard is that I think this content really does matter. And I wanna get it in front of people. I wanna get it in front of youth, people that are still undecided, who just don't know what they wanna do with their lives. And I think this platform, you No know, One YouTube, offers that opportunity to kind of get up close and personal with some of these guests in a different format. And if you're just not into audio, if you're not into podcasting as a whole, that's fine. That's okay. Well, you can still digest the content in a different way. I would encourage you, if you do know somebody who's looking for that career, looking for some ideas, direct them over to dot over on YouTube. You know, if they're into videos, they might just find what they're looking for over there. And while you are there, hey, I would always appreciate a like or subscribe. It's the best way to let that algorithm know that the content matters, that it should be put in front of others. Well, I do thank you for letting me ask this of you, but I think it's about time we get into today's episode. Thank I'm going to start out this episode by leveling with you a little bit here. As you know, I mean, this podcast primarily is all about helping people find those careers, those businesses, things that you're really passionate about or could be passionate about. And oftentimes that might lead people to, to believe once you do find it, well, the rest is history. You live happily ever after in the world of professional careers or businesses. Well, if only it were that easy. The reality of it here is that, you know, we as humans, as individuals, we're growing, we're changing, we're falling in love with things, we're falling out of love with things. The same goes for professions and businesses and all of that stuff. So what happens when you found that dream job earlier in your career and you do it? You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. And eventually that spark is lost. What happens next? Well, that's kind of what this episode is all about. I have this wonderful guest. His name is Matthew Blades, and he was on the top of his game as a broadcast journalist until he wasn't. He just sort of fell in love with what he was doing, and that led him down this fairly dark path where feelings of frustration, anxiety, unhappiness really started to set in for him. He shares a story about how this all went down. But more importantly, he also shares a story about how he pulled himself out of this abyss and how he rediscovered his passion by leveraging some of his old skills and abilities and repurposing them for a new mission. So again, tons of learnings within this episode and also a hefty dose of reality. And yeah, I think this episode will be really helpful to a lot of people in that respect. So before we go any further, I do want to more formally introduce him to you. From there, we can jump into it all. For 27 years, Matthew Blades entertained audiences in the broadcast industry. Now, as an award-winning radio host, he cares deeply about people and nurturing the success of those around him. However, in December of 2021, he decided to leave his successful radio show, which caught the attention of Howard Stern, saying, maybe I should take a play from his playbook. Through Matthew Blade's emotional training, ideation, and personal experience, the Learn from People Who Lived It podcast and speaking series was born. This global digital outreach engages audiences on a real, grounded, and inspirational level. Matthew encourages audiences everywhere to find a self-care strategy and lean into something he calls a transitional character. These days, you'll find him as the host of the podcast, Learn From People Who Lived It, and I Needed That with Chris Powell. He's also the founder of Title I Tech, which serves Title I schools. He's also a 17-year youth hockey coach and created The Mental Game, a workshop for youth athletes with friend and USA Olympian Lindsey Fry. His talks have been well-received at institutions such as Banner Health, Panera Bread, the Social Television Network, and the Durango Juvenile Detention Facility, amongst many others. So with all of this noted, here's my conversation with Matthew Blades. All right, welcome to the program. How are you doing today, Matthew? Pretty good. Yourself? Yeah, excellent. Really looking forward to this talk. I mean, uh, digging into your background and your history, it's quite the story there. So I'm really eager to get into it all with you.
1: Hey, listen, we already found out we have a lot in common with the wake-up time this morning. So let's see where it goes from there.
0: (laughs) Good call. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I do have this first segment lined up and it's called Coloring Wikipedia. As my listeners would know, it's a segment where I just read off a definition related to what the guest is involved in. So what I have you down here for is wellness or well-being. And uh, let me just read that off for you. It is a little bit wordy. I may stumble through it, but uh, we'll give it our best here. All right, so well-being. Well-being, also known as wellness or quality of life, refers to what is intrinsically valuable relative to someone. So the well-being of a person is what is ultimately good for this person, what is in the self-interest of this person. Well-being can refer to both positive and negative well-being. Different forms of well-being, such as mental, physical, economic, or emotional, are often closely interlinked. For example, improved physical well-being, example, by reducing or ceasing an addiction, is associated with improved emotional well-being. Yeah, like I said, a bit wordy there, but uh, first take, what would you say to that?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting to hear. I I don't think I've ever even looked up the definition uh, the way you just did. And and it's funny how what struck me the most was that, you know, there can be good parts about it and there can be some parts where you're not doing it so well, too. Yeah. And uh, what I also was struck by was that idea that by essentially, you know, taking care of ourselves, it improves our emotional state.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's
1: that's probably the biggest chord right there. Okay.
0: In terms of how all of that links up to to you and what you're currently doing in your past perhaps, and what would you say to that?
1: Oh man. I mean that is the very definition of what happened. I I I think like so many people, Chris, it's like you you go like hell until something happens until you and, don't. um, that's it, right? You, you just, you run until you hit the brick wall and there's no real telling when it's going to come up. But, you know, for me, I was lucky enough to be in my career for what I'll call 25 amazing years. I, I ultimately, you know, I stayed in it two years too long, probably, but, um, that's okay. I, I had a blessed and charmed life. I did things that not a single member of my family had ever done before. And so uh, it, all good, but it did come to a crossroads at at some point. And I'm sure we're going to get into this today where I had to make a decision to lean into taking care of myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's a point that like a lot of people grapple with at different points across their careers or lives, you know, like things are working for you in one particular moment of your life. And then just the contextual factors change or you as a person change you grow into careers you grow out of careers like these things happen right and it's kind of what you do with it afterwards i mean some people struggle on and you know like maybe to the detriment of their health and well-being while others make these big pivots and uh and recognize that some of these warning signs are flashing for a reason and uh, it's probably best to 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 examine them and, and find out the reasons why and that's Another thing I'm kind of curious about getting into, we have this other segment here a Pathways where we can kind of dig into your past a little bit. As mentioned off the top when I was introducing you, I mean, you had this successful broadcast career as you were just mentioning. And it was in 2021, I believe, that you decided to, to change, to, to, to get out of it. And maybe, yeah, we could hear a little bit more about some of the reasons behind that. I mean, you kind of just alluded to some there a little bit, but uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit more, I think that'd be helpful for listeners.
1: Yeah, no sweat, man. And and I'd love to hear a little bit of your journey, too. But I think to go back to 2021 and walking away from the the career, almost you have to back up a little bit further than that. And probably starting at around 2017, when I, like so many people, uh, started to really for me, it started with back pain. Essentially, it was like uh, I I was I was working out at a gym five days a week, running every single day, feeling incredible. And then all of a sudden, like hips back and gosh, it just didn't it didn't feel good. And I could never get it straight. And I would go to the 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 chiros and do all the things I would go to the doctor and they'd be like, man, nothing's really wrong here. Uh, And and so, you know, you just kind of keep banging it out and going as hard as you can and and then eventually, like, that takes its toll. So we'll get there in just a second. But I think that's, you have to back up to that because that's kind of when it started. And that's when, as a man, especially if we're just playing on stereotypes here, we don't do a really good job. When when pain shows up for most men, there's this idea that I'm fine. There's yeah. this idea that I'll take a couple of pills and I'll, I'll work around it. I'll manage it. Yeah. And and here's the thing, man, that works till it doesn't, right? That works till it doesn't. And so as we progress into to, to 2021, I'm not well. I'm not well. I've completely, because of my back pain and all the things that were going on at work and then in just my personal life, and I just had kind of stopped taking care of myself, honestly. I, I was a total work zombie, dude. Like I woke up in the morning, I went to work. I'd been doing that job so long I could do it in my sleep, you know, that I would go home, probably self-medicate for a few hours and, you know, make myself feel better Then maybe do something with the kids, you know, that evening. And, and I just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And it was so boring and so mundane. And I'd really lost touch with anything that was meaningful to me. And I remember driving home from work one day, man. And, and, uh, I was like, I was in a pretty dark place by this stage of the game, because this is kind of prior to deciding to quit. And then this thought comes in my head, you're never going to be happy again. Like that that's honestly what I thought. I thought I was like, but then here's what's really scary is that I, I started to make peace with that over the next few months, right? Which, which took me even further down because I had sort of gotten to this point where I was like, don't worry about it. Happiness does not need to be a part of the equation anymore. Now you just have to live for other people and do something different, which, you know, is terrible advice for anybody listening. Um, And uh, so I I just got to that point, man, where it was so dark. It was so awful that my body eventually started to speak up again. And this is where I want every man listening to this to perk up. Your body will tell you when something's going on and you got to do a good job of listening to it. So the story for me, Chris, is that I get shingles, then I start getting these panic attacks, these nocturnal panic attacks, which means they happen in the dead of the night, in the middle of the night, and you just kind of wake up at two in the morning with, you know, what feels like a heart attack. Yeah. And after the third one of those, dude, I was in the hospital. And when the doctors again came back in, they said, There's nothing physically wrong with you. So I know in this moment, because I'm self-aware enough to understand what's up here, that like it's it's mental. It's spiritual. Yeah. Maybe it's both, dude, but like, I know I I have to get to work. And so that's, that's kind of how we get to, it's time to divorce the career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for sharing that. I mean, when I was listening to that, I was thinking that like, there's so many people that are going through something similar. Maybe it doesn't reach that point or maybe it reaches that point later on in their careers. And and the challenge that comes with all of that is, is certainly there and it's real. And I was thinking as well, that when, you just relay that information of like the doctor saying well there's nothing physical i mean obviously that would be a, a relief but then also hearing that it was something that's up top here like that's almost uh, a whole different level of being terrified you know like how do i fix this i mean if it's a physical thing okay well here's some medication for it or here's right. rehab surgery for it or, or whatever or exactly right? here's the yeah. surgery for it but when it's 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 in that other realm it's it's a black box right like how do you go about fixing that people have a million different ideas for this but how do you you latch on to this particular piece of information, what do you do with it? I mean, you can imagine that being a terrifying moment for you
1: it, well, you know it is and and really just from a fear like a complete fear base right like I was just I knew what I had to work on and I think you, you know you're aware, I think everybody listening we're all aware of our demons, man. We all know where the where where the body's lay like, right, so to speak, right yeah <laughs> and so i I knew that. I knew that there was going to be a couple of things in my life that I've like once and for all had to really tackle. And I really, really, really had to work through them. And I and I mean that like from a, like a therapeutic standpoint, right? Like I had to get well and I wasn't, I, I'd i pushed a few events off as long as I could. And like we said a few minutes ago, man, it only works till it doesn't.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, this might be a nice point to transition to my next segment here at Q&A Discovery and I'd like to kind of return to the present here. I mean, Moving on from, from that moment, like what were some of the things that you did to pull yourself out of that, to, to, to get yourself right, you know, to, to find fulfillment, to find purpose?
1: The first thing I did was I made a, a, a very large investment in me. Uh, and, I, and I mean, like I put myself into a spiritual and mental health retreat. So, you know, I I joke about it now. I say, listen, we reached into our savings account because I had to save my life. And that's how it felt then. So that was step one. I, I, I found an incredible mental health and spiritual retreat in Sedona, Arizona. And I worked with 12 different angels, if you want, over the course of five days and had ceremony, therapy, sound healings, Tons of these incredible modalities and moments. And it was in those five days that I was truly, I had a light turned on. I I fully, for the first time in my life, understood kind of what is this all about. Yeah. Then I went home and quit my job and got to work on those things. So that was the first, the first Mm. part was like I invested in myself and I sought the help that I needed.
0: Yeah. And on the professional side of things, I mean, quitting the job is certainly a big moment for anyone, especially yeah. spending that much time and devoting your career and having professional expertise within that space. I mean, there's a certain fear factor, of course, like moving on from that, despite knowing that, you know, it's probably the best thing for you at that point. Did you have an idea of what you're going to sink yourself into again within the professional sphere at that moment? Or was it just like, I need to get out of this and take some time and then figure it out?
1: Yeah, no, I knew in the middle of my retreat, man. I vividly remember late Saturday night. It was my second day in and I was back at my uh where I was sleeping and I was like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit my job and what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell everybody what I learned here for the rest of my life. And I'm going to I'm going to make sure that the that there's not somebody out there who is like, because here's the, here's what I, I joke about this now, but like, I really believe this. We're all a small sequence away of, of some language, of some words, of some word choice away from it all making sense. And, and, you know, it's like, maybe your wife will say something to you. She'll say it again. She'll say it again. And you'll ignore it. But then like somebody at work says it, and you're like, that's the greatest thing ever. And all they did was say the same thing yeah. the other person did, right? But you you heard the sequence of words differently and it touched you. And that happened to me. And it was so flippant profound, Chris, that I was like, why wouldn't why why would I not think this would work for somebody else? Now, take every ounce of broadcasting ability that you have, and in the world of podcasts, in the world of motivational speaking, in the world of like, you know, all the things that are happening with YouTube. Use it in that way. And just so keep doing what you're doing, but use a totally different sequence of words.
0: Yeah. No, got it. No, I that's essentially
1: what I do. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe maybe you could share
0: that. I mean, I, again, I lightly introduced off the top, you know, some of the activities you're involved in, but maybe you could break it down for listeners as well. You know, explain to, to us what yeah, exactly sure. you're involved in right now.
1: It was so podcasting is probably if, if everybody's got their buckets and whatever, that's probably my biggest bucket is podcasting. And so um, when I'm not on Chris's podcast, I'm doing my own <laughs> call, learn from people who lived it. Uh, and th- and that one was birthed from my retreat. I I knew in the moment, like w- me in therapy and talking through a lot of these things and having these spiritual experiences was was just so profound for me. I thought I need to use my skills as an interviewer and help people share their stories so that they can feel the freedom of like getting it off their chest. Like you don't have to hold on to that any longer. Like set that down. Let's put it out there and like, just be free with the whole thing. Right. So that's where I learned from people who lived it started. And then I'm on another podcast called I Needed That. And um, that one is with my friend Chris Powell. And that one is pretty much about transformation, kind of this mental and physical fitness, if you will. And then I'm helping other people with their podcasts, just to go back to, you know, using that skill set from radio and television and helping people from the ground up or level up or whatever that is, but uh, kind of these, Complete consult. That's how I pay the bills right now, right? That complete consultant services. And that's a lot of fun, man, because, you know, honestly, I got to do it for a long time and I had the most insane experiences that a person can have. And now I'm at a stage in my life where it's like, how do I help somebody else get to the top? Like, I don't need to be there anymore. Let's go. Who's next up, buddy? So, And then I'm speaking, which is probably my favorite thing to do in the world because for years I sat in a studio in a box and I could never see the person listening to me. And now when I go out and I talk, I see the people looking at me and it's like, it's amazing. It's magical. I freaking love it.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet. It's interesting. And listening to you explain all that kind of returns to that, uh, the definition, the Wikipedia definition of of well being and wellness, right? We're touching on like the physiological elements, you know, fitness right. and the physical side. And then also you have the mental side where you're, you're helping people in all these different realms and you're kind of touching on all those different points, you know, and, and helping people and, and seeing these reactions in them and seeing how it's affecting them. It's interesting how it right. kind of all aligns there.
1: Isn't it fascinating? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I can definitely see I love like, these
1: little coincidences. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, like I can see the purpose and fulfillment definitely in what you're doing now. And, uh, just, Helping people through those challenging moments, challenging times. Cause I mean, let's face it, we all know in this day and age, like we're all going through our own things, right? Everybody is <laughs> everyone's, as you'd mentioned earlier, yeah. you know, fighting their own demons at different points. And sometimes they get the best of us. So if you have that guiding light or you hear this sequence of words that, you know, several times over, but in one particular instance, it hits you in the right way and sets you down on this other path that's gonna allow you to open up and find fulfillment for yourself. Hey, I mean, if you can be part of that journey for somebody else, I can definitely see how that would be a a rewarding experience for you.
1: I'll tell you, man, there's two stories I love. First one is uh, about a year ago, I was delivering this talk about self-care and I talk about my demons when I go out and I speak. I call it my trauma trilogy. And so I'm I'm, wor- I'm working through my sequence and I'm talking about it. And afterwards, this man comes up to me. He's about 72 years old. He can't even talk to me because he's crying s- so hard. And he just looks at me, and then he just holds me, and he just grabs me, and I literally just hug this man for probably what seemed like 20 or 30 seconds. And and he pulled me away, and he just looked at me, and he said, "This changed my life today." Wow. And. Like, okay, that's incredible, right? That's hair is on the back of your neck, stand up yeah, stuff. Yeah. And and then just last week, I learned from people who lived that we had a woman on, Andrea, who went through uh, uh, pregnancy as a teenager. She walks through the whole journey. She kind of talks about the way her parents treated her, her family treated her, her church treated her, all these things, right? And she delivers it in a really com- like, compassionate way. It's not like she's damning these people or anything like this, right? All of her family members hear the podcast Her dad calls her in tears, they have one of the best talks they've had in years about the situation. Like the, we're allowing people space to feel peace again. And that is incredible for somebody who doesn't feel peaceful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can see the power in that. And also, too, in researching mm-hmm. for your, for you in this talk, I understand some of the speaking engagements that you have. You're going to juvenile detention centers. You're, you're speaking yes. to people in school districts and school boards and whatnot. You're reaching them, not 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 like not everyone who's like this far in their life path. I mean, you're getting people you know fairly young or might have found themselves in difficult situations or made some poor choices early on, and you're trying to help there as well. Maybe you could speak to that.
1: Sure. I love it, man. The, working at the juvenile detention center has been one of the great surprises in my life. It, about 2012, I started uh, leaning into some Buddhist training a little heavier and I was working with an instructor at Geshla and, and got really deep into it. And one of the things that always struck me about him was that he went to prisons and he helped people learn to meditate. And I thought, man, that's just such an incredible thing to, to go and serve that group of people and lo and behold, as soon as I walked away from my radio career, one of the very first phone calls that I got was from a connection that works with the juvenile detention center. And they said, would you come in and would you speak to our kids? I didn't even have to think about it, man. Like the, the, the whole idea of being a transitional character in your lineage, which is something that's that sequence of words, right, that changed everything for me. That idea that I'm the transitional character in my lineage, that resonates so hard with that group of people, because what I'm hoping that they will latch on to is the idea that they are the transitional character. So Sorry to
0: interrupt there, Matthew. Transitional character. What what exactly do you mean by that? You break that down for us? Sure.
1: For sure. For me, the transitional character is somebody that comes to the world and it, it... Maybe it's a little bit confusing for them, it doesn't feel like it fits, family members, whatever, environment doesn't make sense, and you're the one that's sent here to shift the family out of dysfunction and to move them and make life better for future generations. So we talk a lot about generational cycles and that kind of thing nowadays, right? And so the idea that you're a transitional character says, I'm going to stop the things that have been happening and completely messing up our family for years and years and years. And I'm going to move my family out of dysfunction and into a better space.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay.
1: All right. So, and, and so that couldn't be truer for a group of, you know, kids that are behind bars right now. Yeah, right?
0: exactly. I was just about to say, I mean, that's a, a perfect sort of message or, you know, tool set you could be providing them to help clear up their own lives, clear up their own pathways moving forward. And then yeah. also like the surrounding elements within it, you know, giving them the, the the power to, to be able to do those things, or at least entertain the notions of how to go about doing those things.
1: Yeah. Show them why it might be cool to try, right? Like yeah. give it, give it a shot. Like, what have you got to lose here? You know, you're, you're at a starting point where there's not, you, there's not m- many steps you can take backwards now. Like yeah. everything's forward from this point forth. And, I'll tell you, dude, I don't know if you've ever been lucky enough to work with inmates, but especially these juvenile inmates, they're so bright. They're so creative. I mean, I know that most of them and some of them have done things that are not OK, but like you can see the little boy in them that once was pure. Yeah. You can find that little two, three, four-year-old that's yeah. still sitting in there somewhere that's not the person who robbed somebody or shot somebody or, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can see that. Again, returning to that point of like, I can see the value <laughs> in, in what you're doing and in what you're providing to these people. It's hope, really, at the end of the day, you know, it's hope. Sure. You're giving them a tool set that they can work, work on themselves and then hopefully set themselves up for a different pathway, you know, and down the line. And uh, again, there's power in that. As far as some of the other speaking engagements that you have, who else are you speaking with? What other types of, of clients, I guess, are you uh, engaging with?
1: Yeah, the biggest group of people that I help is teachers and educators. As, as you probably, I would actually love to know what the dynamic is like in Japan where you live, because here in the States, the, 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 you know, teachers right now are, are really kind of fighting this war about wages, time. What does a teacher mean? Do we have enough teachers per kid? Like, you know, the education system, especially where I live in Arizona, is is awful. Like we're 48th in the country uh, and there's only 50 in case you don't know. So there's a, you know, there's a lot of room for us to go up and, and it's taken freaking forever. At any rate. I help the educators because they suffer the highest burnout rates of any profession in the country right now. They're at 44% of all teachers feel some signs of burnout on the daily or weekly basis. What do you think that number is like where you live? Are teachers thought of differently there? Well, hmm, it's an interesting question.
0: I think teachers in Japan have always had a certain degree of respect within the public sphere. You know, like the, the sure. whole idea of sensei, right? You know, it's part of like Japanese culture. So there's always been respect there. But I would say within, I don't know, the last 20, 30, 40 years or so, the amount of workload that's been put on their plates as well, I would say the the, the suffrage would be really similar. And it's interesting, culturally speaking, Japanese yeah. won't, like there's no teachers unions here per se. So they don't really like get together and say, hey, what you're doing to us is wrong. You're it's not okay. No, right, yeah. no. Like, so like their approach oftentimes is to kind of just take it, take it, take it.
1: But how That's do they, they, how they do they get through
0: it? I mean, they self-medicate, you know, whether it's alcohol sure. or whether it's different things or, you know, or, or just mental stress, you know, constantly. And I'd say in the last four to five years, it's coming to light a little bit more. like, there's been more articles within the press about this. And like some of the hours that they're putting in, some of the hours they are logging are just ridiculous. I mean, the teachers themselves will have their normal classes that they're teaching whether it's english math science whatever it might be but they're also in charge of all the uh, the sports clubs and clubs within japan they go <laughs> some of them are insane they're like a whole different job 7 days a week 7 days a week and they'll be going from morning to evening on weekends on holidays the teachers will feel pressure not to take personal holidays because they have to tend to their clubs. So they have no holidays. They're working 12 to 14 hour days. Yeah, burnout is a real thing over here as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, sounds almost identical to what's happening here. So yeah, I love to help the educators because I experienced burnout firsthand. I, I I lived it. I know exactly what they're feeling and it's, it's just an awful place to put yourself. But what I also understand now is that burnout is 100% preventable if you take care of yourself. Mm. Uh, That's the key. You have to take care of yourself. And for a lot of people, that's going to mean some very significant changes in their life and some very significant changes in their relationships. That's where it gets really hard, right? Because. It's difficult you don't want to leave people behind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. But how
1: do you want to, but how do you want to live? And and here's the other thing that I love to ask people. It's like, can you think of a group of people that you want happier and healthier than teachers? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe doctors and nurses, yes. But like we give you our children for eight hours a day. Yeah. We want you and need you in the best headspace you can possibly be. Mm-hmm Mm -hmm. end of discussion yeah so you know we're working on some things here in arizona you know there's some good projects million dollar teacher projects out here they're doing some cool stuff for for teachers and there's some people that are reaching in the cookie jar to try to help out a little bit
0: nice nice that's great to hear yeah you know in in returning to your podcast now for a second i'd imagine that like i know on this podcast in particular like Speaking with, like I said before, I'm over 100 guests now. There's certain themes that come up. You can kind of pick up on yourself. Yeah, I you know, pick up on in listening over and over again. You know, as far as what you're hearing, what are some of the themes that that you pick up on that like that people are struggling with, and then also some ways of of, of handling some of these challenges that people are dealing with. Would you able to speak to that yeah. too?
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write this down because I don't want to forget a couple of things, but. I think if there's, a, if there's a couple of things that come to mind. The first one is that usually while people are going through it, whatever that it is, if that's a rut, if that's like a terrible time in your life or whatever, there's a tendency to feel like you're the only one that's going through it. And because you think that, you operate that way. And so that means you don't talk to people about it. You don't try to work it out. You don't try to fix it. Or you you do try to fix it, but not really. If you're into things like self-sabotage, like I was, you know, that's a pretty easy way to make your life pretty, pretty crappy. So that's a, that's probably one of the bigger themes that I see is that people often feel like they're alone in times of crisis when it actually couldn't be further from the truth. Mm, Okay. The second thing that I see in terms of of themes are that people, including myself, have held on to certain, what I like to call inner child wounds, uh, things from your childhood, They've held on to a set of wounds from back in the day, if you want, way too long. And we've given we've given these these really tough moments in our life so much value. We've just we've placed the weight of the world on that moment. and, And it feels like I can never set it down. Right. Because you get to this place where you say, like, I can't carry this anymore, but setting it down feels like I don't care about it anymore. And I, and I do care about it, but I'm just exhausted and I don't want to carry it any longer. And so that's the second theme is that people tend myself included, we held on to things way too long and didn't learn until much later the value because that's the only reason you'll set it down is when you learn why it's important to to do that. And then gosh, is is there a common theme let me think about my third one. I want to know what what kind of themes do you see? Because that's a really great question.
0: Well, in terms of this program, I mean, we're, we're talking careers, right? So like sure. we were talking off air before we got going here in terms of career pathways. You know, I think a, a misnomer is that people have it all figured out or some people or a large proportion of the population has it figured out in their youth, maybe in high school, maybe it's in university. This is what I want to do. This is the major I'm going to go for, for college, university, whatever it is. And, okay, here's the end goal of becoming a doctor, becoming a teacher, becoming whatever it might be. And they just beeline straight towards it. But I'm telling you, (laughs) that that sort of pathway is so incredibly rare. I would say, you know, 95, 97, 98% of the population never has that. They have these squiggly lines, career lines, educational lines, pathways, that don't seem to be going to where that person might have envisioned originally. And oftentimes they don't. And that's to the betterment of what that person wanted in the end. Like they find something, they self-reflect along the way. They find out what they thought they wanted, wasn't what they actually wanted. And they end up in a whole different area. But typically for the right reasons. <laughs> you know, Like it evolves yeah. that way. So that's, that's a big one on my end. Geez, another one might be, um, I, I think this idea of... Wearing a lot of different hats, you know, in terms of your career, yes. the value in that, you know, a lot of people might associate that with stress. And like, that's, that's a terrible thing. You know, it's too much stress. How can people handle all these different roles and responsibilities? But in truth, that's what gets people through their days. I think mean, that's the, the hidden challenges, the rewards that come with that, the different types of people that you get to interact with. The different ideas you get from that, the different, you know, senses of accomplishment that are derived from all these different types of roles and responsibilities a person holds. So I think that's another big one. You know, I think the danger is in the mundane when you're just stuck in doing the same thing over and over.
1: When it struck me, man, got boring. Yeah. Fast.
0: Right, right. You don't get that sense of fulfillment anymore. And that kind of spiral. Well, what happens different...
1: for so many of us is like you, you, you work, you bust your ass to get the thing and then you get the thing and then you just want to protect it. Yeah. And so you stop doing all the things that got you to the thing. And you know, the, the message we should be given that I give my young boys who are 15 and 17 now, but like find something that you want to go do for like the next 15 to 20 years. Let's just put that mark on it. So, cause that gives you enough time to really get in it and get really super successful and have a nice little ride with it. Right. And then don't be afraid to pivot and go find something else. I mean, you know, I am one of those rare cases that you just mentioned earlier, right? I remember being seven years old in my basement, talking up records, like I was a radio personality. Boom. I went straight to it. 18 years old, didn't go to college or anything, went straight into the radio business and did it until I was, you know, 47 or 48 or something like that. So, so I went pew. And then I went, and now I'm down here squiggling around, man, and I I dig it. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. It's interesting I mean,
0: again. It is. It is really interesting. You know, I just had a guest on not too long ago, and this kind of speaks to this point as well of finding meaning in the work that you're doing. There's lots of different ways. Like one could be fairly drastic, like what you needed to do or had to do, which is like just pivot and and switch things up completely. You know, find something else, use your skills in a different way to deliver value and also for yourself, like for your own well-being. And then other ways too, I just had this guest on, you know, she structures her, her work in terms of what she's doing. And she's partly within academia. She's a learning experience designer. She's building programs for children and how they interact with media and content, VR, AR, all these different things really, really fascinating. So she involves herself in terms of like consulting with toy companies, toy associations, with end clients who are trying to build these programs or experiences within museums or wherever, wherever it might be. But she'll devote a lot of her work time towards research. So she's always on the edge of what's coming out. And a lot of it's aligned with tech, right? So tech, as we know, is just constant. It's constant (laughs) with AI, certainly right now. So she's always learning. And that's an element where she finds like fulfillment, but then also too, outside of, of like the consulting work and then researching, she also devotes a portion of her time within her career towards skilling up as well. So she's always looking to like push the envelope, like where where could I improve as well? And I think that was a really interesting point that I that I gained from her is like, even within your career, if you're f- starting to feel that like, ah, this just isn't for me or I, I need to challenge myself, there's that other outlet, you know, as well. I mean, sometimes... You could pursue that, and it's just not enough. You need to make that big change, like what you did, but you know there there's several different ways of kind of looking at yourself in that space in that moment within your career and and navigating that moment I think so yeah,
1: yeah, it's interesting when I look back and on my decision to just walk away as abruptly as I did because I was right in the middle of my contract and it was like. It was kind of, uh, yeah, I look back on that and I go, did I have to rip the Band-Aid off quite as fiercely? And honestly, man, when I come back to it time and time again, the answer for me was yes. Yeah. And so that's, while it hasn't been easy and, and you know, it's, you spent 27 years in a career. Oh, yeah. You better start to make some pretty good money. And, and to just say kind of screw it yeah. um, has, has been The really the only hurdle. Otherwise, everything else I've completely loved along the way.
0: Yeah. Well, the vibe I'm picking up here, I mean, that was by far like 100% the right decision for you because you seem content, you seem passionate about what you're doing. And uh, that alone would kind of indicate that uh, that was- Probably a good decision for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: this is where I'm supposed to be, man. I yeah. get reminded of it uh, time and time again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we could skip on over into this other segment, of water cooler story Let's segment. Go. You, already, you shared one story already, but there's one thing that caught my attention here as well that I've I been mean, meaning to ask. I want to prompt you with this one. See, in uh, a lot of your, your your media, when you did make this decision to, you know, pull the plug on, on that broadcast career, it caught the attention of Howard Stern. <laughs> He made a comment on this. I want to know about that. How does that happen, yeah, right? How exactly, does that happen? Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's funny, right? Like when most people go through a mental health crisis, they don't want anybody to know about it. Yeah. And on my case, Howard Stern made it the first thing that he talked about on his first day back from vacation yeah. in August a couple of years ago, right? Wow. It is, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to see your, your phone blow up, Have Howard Stern start talking about you for a few minutes. That is, that's the reality of it. So how does it happen? I have a, I have a working theory, so you got to stay with me on this. Okay. Sure. Howard's always number one, always been an advocate of mental health. And he talks about it all the time about how he goes to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and he visits with a therapist. And okay. So we know that, that, that brick is laid. Howard was on a two, I think a two month vacation is the story that I have. And he was coming back from that vacation and he was getting a ton of crap for it in the media. They were saying, come on, give me a break, two months off. What are you doing? And at that same time, so that was August for him. And July is when I had my, my mental health breakdown, crisis moment, awakening, whatever you want to, want to call it. And was in the hospital. It was July 15th. And so about, About a week and a half, two weeks later, that's when the story came out in the radio and television trade magazines that I had decided to walk away or to take a step back from my career and get help and go seek treatment and just try to get my my stuff figured out. My working theory is while Howard was on vacation, he saw that story in the trade publications because there's only a couple that radio people read. And so he saw that in All Access and then he... It, it it must have really stuck with him. And so when he came back from his two-month vacation, I think he was using my story as a means to say, like, I had to take two months off or I might have ended up like this guy. But he didn't bring it up viciously. In, in fact, you know, you go back and you listen to the entire, like, three and a half minutes of, of the discussion, which is an eternity. And, you know, if anybody's poking holes, it's Robin. But but Howard really had my back. And um He just told everybody all the things, man. Said I got shingles, said I got panic attacks, said I was going to a treatment center to get help. Uh, He laid it all out there, dude. He laid it all out there.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about your phone blowing off, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) It was pretty cool, man. Honestly, I still talk about it when I go out and speak, and I I play just a short clip of it for people to hear, too. Yeah. And uh, I say in that, and I mean this sincerely with my whole heart, in that moment it was my validation that everything I was doing was headed in the right direction. I thought, mm. wow, if I'm gonna make this move to, to make sense of my life, because mm. by the time he had talked about it, I had decided to walk away. Yeah. And uh, I said, if it, it, that catches the attention of Howard Stern, okay, like I got it, universe, thank you so much. You sent me the sign, like you're on the mm. right path, dude. Keep." moving. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I, that's the way that I look at that moment. I'm forever grateful for him for doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how these little moments can kind of like, you can derive a lot of meaning from them, you know, and, uh, and and how they can set you up further, you know, and then direct you on other sort of pathways for it. Keep the momentum going, dude. Keep the
1: momentum going.
0: Love it. Love it. All right. Well, we are rounding the bend into this last segment here crystal ball. And, uh, as the name implies, we're looking at the future trends, prediction, so on and so forth. That's typically what we get into. But returning again to your podcasts, speaking engagements, interactions with people, what are you finding to be the most useful tools people are using to achieve a sense of contentment, purpose, or even happiness? You know, in the 21st century, are we talking things like tech, therapy, meditation, or something else, or maybe even a combination of all these things? Like, what are the options for people moving forward to to, to help pull themselves out of difficult times?
1: I say it all the time, and I mean it. There's never been a better time to heal. There never has. There are so many acceptable means to get healing done. There are therapies where you don't have to utter a word. You can just lay there and let it all out. There are therapies where you can go and you can talk it all out. You can take medications if that's gonna be something that helps you out. There is acupuncture and acupressure and massage and Reiki and sound baths and you know I mean, like these these ceremonies and psychedelics, and there's like just a million things right now that people can do to step into a place of healing. And while I certainly appreciate where tech is going to take us in terms of maybe improving our mindfulness you know with some apps out there that are really helpful for people that i know a lot of folks use uh, ultimately what we have to return to are the really simple things that we're in total control of which is our breath how we feed our bodies how we hydrate our bodies how we rest our bodies and how we move our bodies There's, there's no magic button here. At the end of the day, you just must return to what I call a self-care strategy that involves yourself. You, You, you matter. You have to be number one in the world and take care of yourself like your life depends on it, or else you can never show up for anybody else the way that you're truly intended to be. And That's the point that I want to drive home with a lot of people. I think, you know, you were asking about common themes in the earlier segment. And one of them that I wrote down that I forgot to mention was probably one of the biggest, which is we have this mindset that putting ourselves first is selfish. And there's this really negative connotation with the word selfish. How can you possibly be the best version of yourself if you don't feel good? And you know that because on crappy days, you walk into the office and now your coworkers got to pay for it because you're in a bad mood or you have a bad day at work and now you come home and now your kids or your wife's got to pay for it because you were in a bad mood. That's how that works. So you take care of yourself. You do what you need to do to show up as the best version of yourself. I think to me, that's how we heal. Like just the world is that we all literally start looking inward and we go all right, what's my role here? Do I need to get healthy? Do I need to start, you know, taking care of myself? Am I in an environment or situation that's not good? You know, it's time to start waking up and asking those questions about where you're at and where you want to be.
0: I like that. I, I like the simplicity in that, you know, because ultimately that's it's what it boils easy. down to, right? I mean, there are, yep. as you said, I mean, several different options out there in terms of getting treatment, getting help, but sometimes that can be a bit of overwhelm as well. Like, okay, if there's all this out here. What do I latch myself onto? But I think the answer to that probably partly lies in what you're just explaining, like figuring out where you're at and deeply thinking about those things. And then yeah. maybe strategizing steps forward or, you know, where where you might be best served, you know, in, in getting some of that. help.
1: Yeah, get a therapist to help you out. Get it. Get somebody you can talk to that can help you devise a plan like that to me is the best thing in the world. You don't have to sit there and talk about all your mommy and daddy issues if you don't want to. But work with somebody who's got a strategy to help you get from point A to point B, because. There's total freedom on the other side, man, like people just need to know that that's the reason you want to do the work is because when you get to the other side and you're not hanging on to those things any longer, you feel like a completely different person.
0: I love that. That might be a nice capper right there to, uh, to close things out on. But I got to say, Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved every second of this. I mean, all that you've shared too. Yeah. I can't thank you enough,
1: man. I'm so grateful to be on the podcast. I love what you're doing, man. Keep it up. Now for those interested in learning more
0: about Matthew and his work, you can do so via his company website, learnfrompeoplewholivedit.com. You can also find his other podcast. I needed that there. And on the social platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, and X, of course, formerly Twitter. And for reference, all this information, including links, will be included in the show notes. And as always, I mean, if you like today's show, you can also show further support by rating, reviewing, subscribing, wherever you access your podcast. And as mentioned off the top, head on over to YouTube. I do have that channel over there. You can catch highlights from the actual audio version of the talk. And then finally, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.